We are continuing our series in the Gospel of Mark, our series entitled Amaze, and we're glad you're here with us today. If you're a guest, welcome. My name is Paul Buckley, and I'm one of the pastors here. I'm uh, usually the guy that's speaking. I've been away for a couple weeks or so, and then we had a guest speaker last week, uh, Andy Davis, who did a great job. Uh, by the way, all our messages are online, um, and so on our website, camgrace.org, you can find past messages. And, uh, thanks so much to Paul and the crew that gets that rolling, uh, and on our Facebook site as well. Uh, there'll usually be a, connect, a link uh, for the messages, so I encourage you to check out last week's and previous messages as well. But we're continuing in this series in the Gospel of Mark. And I trust that uh, as you've been listening, as we've moved along through this book, that um, you've benefited from it. Um, I I trust that you are encountering Jesus Christ freshly, uh, because this is not just a story and not just a a history book about Jesus and what he did, but it's God's living word. And as we go through these stories and as uh, his word is taught and preached, proclaimed, and as we listen to it, Uh, God the Holy Spirit speaks to us and imparts life and reminds us of truth and and speaks to our particular situations. He knows us. He knows us uh, thoroughly. He knows us better than we know ourselves. So you came in this morning and uh, you're aware of things going on in your your life, certainly. He knows even better uh, where you are, what you need, and what you need to hear. So as we spend time in his word, he speaks to us. He brings the truth to our lives. And and so I trust as we go through this Gospel of Mark, you are experiencing him speaking to you and to your life. The series so far, uh, as you remember, we've seen Jesus in the early part of his ministry. And he's uh, going out and he's performing many miracles. People are being healed of sickness. He's driving out demons. And he's speaking and teaching with great authority. And, And really all of these things, his miracles, his a deliverance, uh, delivering people from demons, his speaking, really points to who he is, that he's not just any old prophet, he's not just another significant religious figure in the history of uh, Israel. He's something much more. He has authority over sickness. He has authority over demons. He has authority over the Word of God even. He can speak the very words of God. And so it points to who he is. And, and, and we're following along and we're watching people starting to get an idea of who he is, but they're a little slow, um, as I am, as we can be, a little slow in getting who he is. Really, the only ones who are getting who he is in the story so far are the demons. They are proclaiming, you are the Son of God. And Jesus is saying, you know, quiet. Uh, he, he doesn't actually want them proclaiming uh, who he is. Uh, and we're going to touch on why in today's message. So there are people, though, following him. There's huge crowds coming to him and coming to be healed, coming to hear his teaching. And there are those that are vehemently opposed to him as well. And we learned recently about the Pharisees and the Herodians, two rival parties normally, who joined together to plot Jesus' destruction. And that's kind of the storyline. We uh, Last time in the series, we, we learned about the parable of the sower. We learned about these parables that Jesus teaches. And the parable of the sower basically says that the word goes out and some receive the word uh, and bear fruit, and many don't. Uh, the seed falls on different types of soils and produces 
fruit in some, good soil, but in many others it it doesn't produce fruit. Uh, There's rejection and so forth. And so Jesus is teaching his disciples that there are different responses to the Word of God. He's teaching the Word himself. He's proclaiming. uh, And there are different responses. And he tells his disciples, basically, you guys have the secret to the kingdom of God. Uh, And that secret, we learned, is Jesus himself. Knowing Christ, coming to him for the truth. Though they may not understand everything he says, they have him. And they can come to him and find truth in him. And he explains the parables to them. And so we'll see in today's section that Jesus is speaking more parables and teaching. And teaching about this whole phenomenon of of those that hear and those that don't hear. So let's, uh, let's pray. We prepare to hear God's word. Pray that he'll speak to us. He'll, he'll teach us from his word about the truths that we need to hear this morning. So Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Mark chapter 4. We thank you for these parables that you brought. We thank you, Lord God, that these truths are eternal truths. And I thank you, Lord, that this morning, as we meet right now, uh, You are here in our midst, and you have designed to speak to us. You've designed to bring truth to our lives. And we thank you for that, Lord. And I ask you, help me to serve you and serve each person here. I clearly and faithfully proclaiming your word. And Lord, just just serving the process of you speaking. I pray that each and every person here, as a result of hearing from you today, would be changed. Some need encouragement. Some need uh, refreshment. Some need to be corrected and even rebuked. Some, Lord, need to be drawn to you. They may not know you, and they need to see who you are, at least in some way, to take a first step. And so, Lord, for all these purposes and more, bless this time. Bless the reading and preaching of your word, and be glorified in it, we pray. Amen. Let's take a look together at verses 21 through 25, as Jesus continues to teach, and he's still focusing on this whole theme of people receiving the word and people perhaps not receiving the word, this whole thing of what do you do with the truth that he's proclaiming. And so it says in verse 21, and he said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest. Nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. God's word from Mark 4, 21 to 25. The title of today's message is The Most Important News. And what I want to teach from this, this section, what I believe this passage teaches us, is that the good news of Christ is the shining and central and most prominent truth in all of history, in all the universe. The good news of Jesus Christ 
is the most shining, central, and prominent truth in, in all of history. And our response to it determines our success. So, let's keep it central. Let's tell others. Let's invest in it. That's the, a summary, of really, of these verses in this message entitled, The Most Important Truths. It's interesting to think about uh, the most important news. It's interesting to think about news that's out there. Uh, I don't know if you're aware, if you just have ever stepped back and thought about how much news just kind of passes through the media in any given day or any given week. Uh, Do you guys watch the news or go on Google News and kind of see the latest news or whatever your news source is? There's all sorts of stories. There's all sorts of news stories that that pass by. Certain ones are are very significant. This past week, uh, some of the key news stories were the tumult in Egypt that's going on. That's pretty important. Um, I read about the NSA. There's a suit against them for privacy violations. That's pretty important. Maybe boring to you, but that's pretty important. Uh, the, the rescue of Hannah Anderson, who was kidnapped by that guy in Idaho, wherever it was, thank God. Those are pretty important news items, but there's also other, other news items that are in the news that you would follow. Do you know that this past week that Duck Dynasty's new season premiered? Anyone watch the premiere of Duck Dynasty? Yep. Um, I, I watched Duck Dynasty, uh, I'll confess. So that's news for some. They went to New York and and there's a little story behind that and everything. And um, Major League Baseball is considering using instant replay like the NFL so that the managers can have three reviews every game. And, you know, that's, that's news. Um, there, are, uh, uh, there was an article I read on obesity in the top 13 states for obesity. I don't think Massachusetts is one of them, but um, I think there's a golden corral in each of those states for sure. But um, uh, Georgia drivers can no longer pay for the tolls for the people behind them. I read that, but then it got repealed later on in the week. So that sort of news. There's, so there's, there's all sorts of news. There's some news that's just plain silly that's out there. Do you know that this past week, uh, researchers from the University of Hawaii and Turkey announced that they had genetically modifla- modified rabbits to glow in the dark. They produced glow-in-the-dark bunnies. Truly, it's a true story. I don't know why. Maybe they're trying to like corner the mar- a new market for like for like pets and nightlights at the same time. We have a, this pet can be your nightlight as well, glow-in-the-dark bunnies. Uh, in China, there was a zoo that's in trouble because, um, because they found out that the animal in the lion cage was not a lion, it's actually a Tibetan mastiff, which is actually a really big dog that has a mane. So, uh, and it, it, so it wasn't a real lion. The story is that their lion was sick and had to go to the vet, so they had a stand-in, this Tibetan mastiff. And then uh, a Swedish nightclub in uh, Gothenburg uh, had to uh, shut down because the music was too loud for the fish in their fish tank. There's a law in Sweden that you, animals cannot be subjected to more than 65 decibels for a sustained amount of time. And somebody reported them, they went in and checked, and the, the decibel level was at 100. So the fish were in danger, so they shut the nightclub down. So. That's important news. There's all sorts of news out there, and you could spend a lot of time. Why am I telling these stories? Well, because uh, the reality is that as all this news kind of passes in front of us, we can lose perspective. We can start to define ourselves by the news, whether it's trivial news or significant news. 
news. I mean, these other stories in Egypt, those are significant news. But as the media and the culture shouts at us what's important essentially through this flood of news in media that, that passes by us, we can lose our perspective. And Jesus is saying something in this passage that is oh so important for us. It's oh so important to understand. Now there's a particular context we're going to dig into to understand why he said this. But he basically brings this truth that this, the, the good news, the secret of the kingdom, what he says is to shine is to shine forth. It is to be a central truth, the most prominent truth in all of history. The truth, the good news of Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, reigning and returning, the good news of Jesus is the news of all news. And, and And it should shine and flood our lives with its truth and define who we are, not these other news items. And we need to hear this. We need to hear it because we're subjected to the perspectives of our culture, and we live in the culture. Those that we're loving and relating to live in this perspective as well. And Jesus comes to us with this truth from this, this week's passage and calls us to focus on the good news. So this is a passage about the role and the importance of the good news and what we do with it. So let's dig in and, and learn from Jesus. There are two parables in this section. Two parables in this uh, These verses that he talks about, both parables, Jesus presents a word picture. uh, And that's what a parable basically is some sort of word picture with a a central meaning. So usually parables have one central meaning through a word picture. So he presents word pictures in both of these. Then he explains what they mean, more or less, the reason for this truth. And then he calls uh, for a response, to listen, to pay attention. And he does this in both. So I want to look at the first one that starts in verse 21, goes through verse 23. And that's where he says, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. He's talking about a lamp. And he's saying to his disciples, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket? or under a bed, and not on a stand. And it probably would help to have a little background. Uh, in those days, uh, the houses didn't have a lot of windows, so they'd be dark, and particularly at night, it got dark then, just like it does now. Um, and so you needed to light uh, to lighten the room, to illuminate the house some way. Now, we have electricity, right? We just, I mean, we, we hardly think about this at all. We just flip a switch, and boom, it's lit up. This room is you know, so beautiful when the chandeliers are lit and when it's dark outside. We just don't think a whole lot about it. But back then, they didn't have electricity, and they didn't have, like, lots of lamps and lights. They, most families would only have one lamp. Uh, you'd have this little lamp, and it would, uh, the common one, it looked kind of like a little teapot, basically, and you'd put oil in it, and it would have a wick that would come out of it, and you would light the lamp. And the houses were small. And so what you would do uh, is you put your lamp right in the middle of your main room, your living room. And you put it right in the middle on a stand, and it would, light, it would bring light to the whole room. That's all you had, and that's what you did with that. So Jesus is saying in this parable, if you have a lamp, do you put it under a basket? Or do you put it under a bed? Of course not. That's ridiculous. I mean, it, it, there's some degree, probably Jesus was, it sounded to them even humorous to hear this. This is like a ridiculous thought that you would take your 
one lamp and put it under a basket or put it under a bed. No, no, of course. Everyone knows what you do with your lamp is you put it on your stand right in the middle of the house to bring light to everything. And so Jesus is, is using this word picture that they all would have been familiar with of the lamp in the house. And, I, you know, I think if we were around in those days, we would understand and relate to that and just understand how absurd it would be to think to take your one lamp and to hide it somewhere. The rest of the family would be like, what are you doing? Take that out from under that basket. Put it back on the stand. That's, we need that light. Who turned out the lights? Put it back here. So he's making a point, and, and there's a degree of absurdity to it. And he's using that picture of how absurd it is to cover a lamp up and to hide it. No, instead we put it in in the middle to, to point to how absurd it would be that hidden things, something that he's talking about that is hidden, would not be made known. That this thing that's secret, and what he's talking about, the thing that's secret ultimately is the secret of the kingdom of God, for that thing to remain hidden, to put it under a basket or to obscure it. So, so stay with me as I kind of walk through and help, help us understand this. There are, is a parallel uh, passage like this in Matthew that maybe you are remembering uh, as we're going through and talking about the lamp. You maybe are thinking of Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus speaks about the lamp. He uses the same word picture, but it's a different instance and a different application. It says there, you are the light of the world. So he's speaking to his disciples, saying, you guys... You are the light of the world. And a city on a a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine for others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So in this instance, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is saying, you guys are the light. You guys are the lamps. You, my followers, those, those who know me and walk with me, you, you, my followers, you're the light, and let your light shine. Let it shine before others, and in particular, let your good works be shown so you shine. And that's a wonderful truth and a really important truth. But that's not what he's saying here in Mark 4. He's not saying this lamp is you. He's been talking about the secret of the kingdom. He's been talking about this seed that goes out. And he's been talking about the seed falls on some soil and it, and it gets pecked away or it uh, doesn't produce, it gets choked or it springs up and then it dies. And he's been saying that basically some receive the truth, some are the good soil and they sprout forth, but others don't. There are some who hear these parables and it just goes in one ear and out the other. And yet to his disciples, he explains that. And so it's a secret in a sense. It's not the news about who he is has not made its way out beyond his disciples. And in the Gospel of Mark, we see, and we see this elsewhere too, that Jesus actually hides who he is somewhat until the very end. So in some ways, he kind of, he, he keeps the fullness of who he is and what he's about a secret. He doesn't want the demons to tell everybody that he's the Son of God. Why not? Well, because people's reactions would not have been what he wanted to happen. He had a plan. He had a purpose. He was working out the ultimate plan that he would go to the cross, that he would be rejected, that he would be, he would be put on the cross. He would suffer and die, and, and not just die at the hands of the Romans and the authorities, but die in the plan and purpose of his Father, of the triune God, to atone for sins of his people. That was part of the plan. 
that he would be crucified. He would be rejected. And then he would rise again on the third day, victorious over sin and death. That's his purpose. That's what he was after. If he had entrusted those plans to men, what would have happened? It would never have happened. Two groups of people uh, there were. There were those that supported him and those that opposed him. If he had told the fullness of who he was, and, and even just what he did tell them or was enough to get people to hate him, if he had given them the whole gospel truth, and I'm going to die, I'm going to rise again, and stuff, and, and he did to a degree, but it was veiled, they would have acted. If they had known this is going to happen, they would have interfered even more, perhaps. What about his followers? What if he had told them the fullness and had explained to them in a clear way where everybody got it? What would have happened? Well, he did explain it a little bit, right? He explained it to Peter. He told Peter in Matthew chapter 16 that he would be crucified and die. And this is right after Peter had his golden moment. Who who do you say I am? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. This wonderful moment of revelation from the Father. He knows who he is. And then just moments afterwards, he says, and I'm going to be crucified. And this is Peter. This is what Peter does. It says in Matthew 16, verse 22, And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But he turned, Jesus turned, he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Even his followers, if they had known the fullness of who he was, would have opposed it, and they did. So Jesus, in a sense, didn't reveal everything. He, He kept it, a degree of it, back. He was careful. He did reveal himself, but there was a, a degree of, of holding back. And, and, and so this parable, this story today, he's, he's going after this issue. That, that in some ways, it is a secret. I'm sharing with you some of it, but the, it's not fully known. But he says that, but that's not for the purpose of keeping it a secret. This truth about who I am and about what I'm going to do is like a lamp. It's light. It's truth. It's important. It's central. It's most prominent. And it's not meant to be kept a secret. It's meant to shine. It's meant to be put on a stand and to shine out. And he's saying this to his disciples so that they might understand at this time, but also that the the church, as they hear the Word of God, God knew what He was doing, would hear this as well and understand would understand that that the gospel, though obscured to some, and though uh, when Jesus was on the earth, it it was obscured until he rose again, and then it started to be proclaimed. And though it's obscured at times in people's minds, it's not meant to be obscured. It's not meant to be kept secret. And that's a mistake that that we might make. To think, well, it's, it's a secret. You know, there's the good soil and there's the bad soil. You know, you either get it or you don't. This thing's secret. And, and, you know, I'm hesitant to share it because you're not probably part of the group that would understand. And Jesus is saying, no, no, this is something that is to be proclaimed. This is something that is to be known. This is something that's to shine forth everywhere. In the early church, actually, there was a heresy related to this. Uh, different forms of it, but a, a heresy called Gnosticism, and Gnosticism taught a lot of things, but one of the things that it taught was that there was this secret knowledge 
that if you kind of could get into the inside group and get this secret knowledge, then you could really be spiritual. Then you could have what you need to achieve, you know, this enlightened status, this kind of spiritual Illuminati, you know, type idea. And that's contrary. That's heretical. It's contrary to this passage. It's, it's simply and blatantly false in light of the good news. And so this was a phenomenon that the disciples experienced to some degree in Jesus' ministry, that he was in some ways obscure. He was hidden until his mission of going to the cross and dying and then rising again was accomplished. And then everything changed. There was no more uh, hiddenness. It was out there. The gospel was proclaimed and the disciples were sent out to tell everybody and the Holy Spirit was poured out in power. And, and, and there were tremendous results in Jerusalem. And we can read in the book of Acts about what happened as the gospel went forward, as this thing that had been secret now was on full display, as the lamp, in a sense, was put on in the middle of the room in Jerusalem and shown out. We can read about the results. And there's wonderful stories in the book of Acts in the beginning about this. Acts chapter 2, you guys perhaps have heard and read this recently. This is when the Holy Spirit gets poured out and the people of God are going out and they're speaking in tongues and people gather what's going on. And Peter gets up and he shines the light to everybody. He says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you have crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. <coughs> so those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So this lamp, this light, is meant to shine, and it has its effect in Jerusalem. 3,000 people are added to the church, and it goes on, and there's more and more fruit. This is God's intention that the, the light, the truth of the gospel shine forth. It's God's intention that this good news be the most prominent news in all of history. It's meant to shine forth and, and bear fruit and be known. This is really important truth. It's really important to get, for us to get it. What Jesus is saying here in its application. It's really important because I really do believe that, that our culture, and perhaps just our, our nature, our sinful nature, works against this truth and diminishes this truth and says, take that lamp and put it under a bed. Put a basket over that. Stop talking about that. There are people who do want it to be a secret. Our culture wants the good news to be squelched, doesn't want to hear it. They want, you know, glow-in-the-dark bunnies are fine, but not Jesus. Don't talk about Jesus. You can talk about fish and all these other things, but don't talk about Jesus. That's just the reality of our culture. That's the reality of human nature. And so we need to hear. We need to hear this truth that this is supposed to shine. God's eyes, this is the most important truth. It's to be most important in our lives. It's to be most important in history. And it will be most important in history. For Philippians 2 tells us clearly about Jesus. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, 
every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The, the central news at the end of all things will be this. Jesus Christ is Lord, and He's glorious. That will be the news everybody will have. Everyone will confess. Now, some will confess it to their joy, and some will confess it to their regret. But they all will confess it. Jesus Christ is Lord. And so we need to remember that and live in it and define ourselves by it. This passage is for us today. It's for the disciples. He was teaching his disciples so they might understand as they went along in his ministry and probably wondered why. Why is this not more prominent? Why is it obscured? Shouldn't we go out and make sure and see everyone coming in and believing it, wondering, you know, is it something that's just by nature obscure? Jesus is saying, no, the lamp is meant to shine. They need to hear it, but the early church, this gospel was written for really the church in Rome, the early church in Rome, and God, by God's design for King of Grace Church, Little C Church, here today. For us to hear this truth and to understand and recognize the important truths here. We live just in a culture that doesn't want to hear it, and we're just aware. And we fight against this reality that people don't want to hear it. And, the, and ones we love, people we love, they, they functionally rejected our faith, perhaps. And there can be all this pressure. But don't talk about it. Talk about something else, but not this. And so we need to hear that. No. I mean, I'm going to be polite. I'm going to be respectful. But this is the most important news, and I, and I can't not talk about it. If there was really important news on the news, I mean, if, if they were, I don't know, if they were giving away free cars, the local dealership, would you keep that news to yourself? No, you tell people. I mean, we do it all the time, don't we? When there's a deal, when you find a deal, you know, out there, you tell everybody. You email it to everybody else, right? Check this out. Act quickly. Maybe you'll get a, a free whatever. We tell people. We don't keep it from them. Well, this news is more important than any deal anyone's going to get. It's the most amazing deal there is. Forgiveness, free and full for those who simply turn from sin and self-righteousness and turn to Christ. There's forgiveness. The problem is they, they don't want to hear it, but, but we must recognize it's still important. And we still need to tell them. We need to let the, the news shine forth. We need to, to make sure that they hear about it. And we need to make sure, too, that we don't get inundated in all the other news items ourselves personally. For the reality is that we, it can affect us not just in telling others about the good news. It can affect, affect us in terms of living ourselves in the good news. How would that work? Well, if you are defining yourself and your experience by the news you read, which is a natural thing. So you're reading the, the news about Egypt or whatever else or still... Yeah. Yeah. Facebook. Yeah, you're saying Facebook. So yeah, whatever it might be, um, whatever, whatever the, the input is, that's going to affect who you are and how you see things. So when my wife speaks, I stop to listen. So just say, say no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But these things, you know, our input in terms of news will affect 
who we are and how we understand ourselves, how we think of ourselves, how we think of God. And so if your major news feeds are Google News or Facebook or political news or Fox News or CNN News or whatever else might be out there, that's going to affect you. That's going to, in some ways, change who you are. And so you and I need to recognize that those, those news items are not that important. That we are defined by the good news. This wonderful news that, that Christ has come and He's lived this righteous life. That He died on the cross to pay for sins and He rose again. And that in Him, as I turn from sin to Him and trust in Him, I am forgiven. I am beloved. I belong to Him. He's with me. He'll never leave me or forsake me. He wants to use me to bless others. As I start to define my life that way, it changes me. It changes me in my perceptions, in my actions. It glorifies God when I start to find my life in Him. It empowers me. It, it changes everything. And so we need to hear this message. We need to recognize, I need to make this good news my central news. And so let me ask you, is it your central most prominent news? Or is there something else that floods out the good news? Your Facebook feed. Nothing wrong with Facebook per se. Matter of fact, Facebook can have lots of good news, lots of Bible verses and such on it, but, but are there other things on your Facebook feed, whatever they might be, your news feed, whatever might be filling your life? It, it could just be the, your own thoughts. You may not have to look at any news, just the things that pass through your mind. Are those things defining you, or is the good news defining you? This light is to shine in your own mind, in your own life, every day, every week, every month, every year, forever. The glory of the gospel of grace is to shine and have prominence. So let it shine. There's lots of ways to let it shine. Just simply remembering it, reciting it, the simple gospel, when you start your day in the morning, just rem remembering and reciting the gospel. Maybe just doing it through Thanksgiving. Lord, I thank you today that because of Christ and his righteousness, his blood shed for me, I'm forgiven and I'm accepted and you're for me now. Thank you that you love me. Now help me today to live in that love and to love others. I mean, that simple prayer, that simple way of just remembering and reciting the good news to start your day. I don't just do it in the morning, by the way, because I don't last very long on that little bit of recitation. <laughs> I, I try to do it throughout my day, and whenever I am tempted with anxiety or anger or whatever other emotion or temptation, I try to recite again, remember the good news, and to live in light of that. To, to, to remember this. There's lots of tools to help you. That we as a church, really, really the central thing perhaps, one of the central things that we do as a church is to simply remind you of the good news. To simply come back to it every Sunday. Come back to it through sacraments. To come back to it through fellowship. To come back to it in the preaching of God's word. To remind you of the good news. We meet as small groups, really, to remind you of the good news. To empower you in that good news. To love others with that good news. There's lots of tools, and that's really what we're about. And, and so that you can access lots of things. One thing that many have found helpful is this little book. Uh, 
the, a gospel primer for Christians. Primer, primer. I'm not, I always get that mixed up. But anyhow, it's a great book that, that goes through the truths of the gospel in ways that you can just, uh, little readings for the day. Um, and, uh, and it's a great tool to use. If you don't have a copy of this, let me know and we will, or let Pastor Jeff know, we will seek to get you a copy. Just a great way to let the light of the gospel shine every day in your life. And we're to let that light shine to others as well. He wants us to, to shine that light. This is the most important news for us, and this is the most important news for our neighbors and our friends, no matter what they think. The, the sad reality is that people don't want to hear it. They, they don't understand how important it is. And, and so they themselves won't necessarily come to hear it. They won't. But we are sent by God as His ambassadors to tell them and to love them. And so we're to let this light shine. We're, we're to share this truth. We're to do all we can to share it with others. To look for opportunities to present the gospel. And, and to remember this passage, remembering and, and soaking in the truths of this passage that this light is meant to shine and people's response to this light determines their their success, their destiny, their eternity should motivate us to share it with others and to do all we can to get them to listen. Sometimes they don't want to listen. And I'm not suggesting that we just keep on talking and we get louder and louder or something like that. What I'm suggesting, though, is that we love them and we do whatever we can to convince them to give us a hearing. And sometimes that means you just love them and serve them and lay your life down. You listen to them as a true friend. You identify with them. You identify with their struggles. You, you encourage them in the, in the good things you see in their life. You show them by your life that this is not just any old message. This is a message that changes lives. This is a message that fills people with love. This is a message that makes people good listeners and good friends and convince them of that by being such things, by God's grace. And I would say that for most people, if you do that, eventually they're going to say, tell me more about why you would be like this. Why would you be such a good friend? Why you would listen to me? No one else listens to me. You listen to me. They're going to ask. They're going to, they're going to want to know. And then you tell them. Then you tell them about the lights. You tell them about what a difference it made in your own life. And you tell them that they too can come and have forgiveness and new life in Christ and have this light in them as well. Let us share this truth. Let us understand that God's intention, and Jesus makes it explicit here, is that the lamp would shine. That the lamp would be on the stand for all to see. It is not meant to be in a basket. It is not meant to be under a bed, but to shine. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear, Jesus says. Second parable, and this will be shorter. Jesus says, pay attention to what you hear. So it says the same thing he just said, really. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is a related parable as well. Jesus calls us to pay attention to what you hear. And then says this, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And and that was a common saying, actually, in that day. And it kind of fits in with sayings today. It's the uh, idea of reciprocity. Basically, um, uh, 
You know, what goes around comes around. You get back what you put in, that sort of idea. And usually we use that in terms of behavior, right? I mean, if you're kind to others, they'll be kind to you. If you, if you help someone out, they're likely to help you. And, that, and that's a general, that's a truism. Uh, but Jesus is, isn't applying it to behavior here. He's applying it to the message. And he's saying, basically, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. How you respond to this message will determine what happens to you. How you respond to the truth of the gospel. How you respond to his teaching. How you respond to the secret of the kingdom will determine what happens to you. And if you measure in a way that you receive this, if you listen and pay attention and say, Jesus, I want to know about this. I want to know about this truth. I want to know about you. I want to know about the gospel. I want to, I want to understand. Help me. That there'll be blessing that comes to you. That there'll be blessing uh, ultimately in the broader context. We know the blessing of forgiveness and eternal life and eternal riches through the simple act of simply paying attention and receiving. There's blessing. And, and Jesus says that it'll be measured to you and still more will be added to you. For the one who has, more will be given. There's this reality that when you take a simple step of believing and receiving the message, and all it takes is a, a Jesus talks about a mustard seed of faith. That's just a little, a mustard seed's like a seed that's so small you can almost not see it. It's a tiny little seed. And all it takes really is just this little seed saying, I believe Jesus. I believe you are God in the flesh. I believe that you did die from my sins and rise again. I believe that you speak the truth. And I turn and I believe. That, that simple just saying, I believe, brings a return that is immeasurable. You're doing the simple thing. You're just receiving. You're saying, I believe and I receive. And, and the return for that simple little act is infinite riches in Jesus. It's forgiven, forgiveness by God. It's being welcomed into his family. It's eternal life with him. It's the full inheritance of Jesus that he earned through his righteous life, through being the Son of God, God in the flesh, all his riches are now yours. That's amazing. That's what he's getting at. Guys, the measure you use will be measured to you. And more will be added. You'll get so much through this simple little response. So that's a call to us to believe. And, it's, and, and boy, it would be another message. It's also a call for believers to sow into the things of God because there's such a great return. It's worth every little bit of investment. The other side of this, Jesus says, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. It's a warning. Warning to the one who rejects his word. This is kind of the tipping point. What you do with the good news is the tipping point. You say yes to it, you become infinitely rich. You say no to it, you become infinitely destitute. You become completely destitute. It's the tipping point. This news is important. Really important. If it produces those sort of results, it's fantastically important. It, it makes all the difference. And his warning is that for those who, who don't receive the good news, for those who are those bad soils, for those who receive the seed... You end up with nothing in the end. 
You end up with absolutely nothing. You may think you have something. You may be a relatively good person. You might be a religious person. But if in being a religious or spiritual person, you have not accepted the truth of Christ, you will find yourself without anything. Destitute. We in our lifestyles apart from Christ are really, are really, can be really foolish. I was uh, reading this week about a, a guy who um, went to a carnival and played carnival games. And, and you guys, you know, you know, like the ring toss and all those games, you pay, what, a couple bucks for those, those games? Anyone ever actually pay a couple bucks and win right away? Anyone here? Anyone ever play those games at all? Okay, I have. I admit it. Okay. Um, uh, usually it takes a lot more than a couple bucks. It, it probably takes maybe 10 bucks if you're good to win. And you, don't, you win that stuffed animal, by the way, that cost about five bucks for them to buy, um, right? And, and I was reading the story about a guy who actually went to a carnival and they had a ring toss, yep, and, and, um, and they were giving away an Xbox if you got it, uh, you got it, you know, the prize, an Xbox. And so he kept on spending money more money, more. and then he went home and got his savings account, and he spent $2,600 at the carnival, and he did win a prize. He got a stuffed dreadlock banana at the end of it all. Yeah. yeah. But that, that is what we are like in our lives and in our pursuits without recognizing the importance of receiving the good news. We will find that our labors and all these things we spent money on and we thought we were getting an investment back, all we have is a stuffed banana at the end of all things. We have nothing, even worse than a stuffed banana. You know, there's nothing for it. This news is so important for us and for those who would hear from us. It makes all the difference. And so Jesus is calling us to center on this news, if the bank could come up as we finish, to center on this news, to make it most prominent, to invest ourselves and to tell others. So as we, as we close, I just want to ask you to think about how you can make this light of the good news more prominent in your own life. There's probably two different types of application we can make, personally and then for others. So in your own life, is there some habit something you can do. Maybe this news is not functioning like it should. Maybe you need to change your media input. Maybe you need to just get the gospel primer and go through that or be a regular part of a small group. Whatever you can do to, to make this important news more central in your own life. And then secondly, what can you do to tell others about it? What can you do to, to maybe just pray for your neighbors Look for opportunity. We, as a church, do a lot of things to really come alongside you to help you reach your neighbors. And if you are not praying for and reaching and inviting your neighbors, all the other stuff we do is really not going to work. We want to be, and we believe the Scripture calls us to be, as a whole church, active in sharing our faith. I love the verse in Philemon 6. Paul says this to Philemon, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you may have a full understanding of every good thing you have in Christ. God wants you to rejoice in the gospel. He wants you to, to know all that you have. It Sometimes it takes giving it away. So looking for opportunities to tell others. Maybe being part of Alpha, 
maybe just grabbing one of these, how good are you tracks? And, and Mike, Lily, or I, or many would be glad to show you how to go through this. Great, simple gospel booklet that explains the gospel. Take one of these and pray for someone to share it with this week. Let's just, in closing, think of how we can live in light of the call to make the good news the shining, central, most prominent truth for our lives. Lord, we thank you for these parables. We thank you for the the teaching that you brought to us, Jesus, and we want to be affected by your truth. We ask you to help us in our own lives and in our sharing, Lord, to let this light shine. 